Welcome to Tigers SRD with two hosts who always start on second, Chris Brown, never-ending parade of mediocrity, and Roger Castillo. Oh, Roger, live in Detroit. Da, 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 da. All right, welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD here on SportsRoadDetroit.com and MotorCityBangles.com and the Overtime Media Network. I'm Rahelia Castillo, alongside me is Chris Brown. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Art Media, Stitcher, and Google Play. I wanted to plug the Tiger Mind League Report podcast, which is a new podcast we're hosting with other people that it's not me and Chris. So <laughs> just give some people some other chances to speak. So some other writers over at Motor City Bengals and occasionally maybe Jay Markle. Jay Markle said he won my job on. So you can find the latest uh, episode on iTunes, Spotify, and, and iHeartMedia. And we had Dan Hasty, the voice of the Miss West Michigan Whitecaps on the other night. So that is also available on the Tiger Mind League Report YouTube channel. So tonight we have two guests, but their first guest being Scott Bentley, who hosts his own podcast, writes over at Diamond Digest, one of the co-hosts of the Lockdown Red Wings. And we've talked about him a couple of times because he started a hashtag that upset really a lot of fans, <laughs> really upset some Tiger folks over there. I know the Tiger's PR department was looking at you like, really, dude? Yep. That yeah. Is, that is very much it. Yep. Uh, the Tiger PR, we've made some jokes about the Tiger PR department. They're good people. Um, but uh, that being said, <laughs> Scott, welcome to the show. Uh, first time that we, we like, I've had this idea to have you on for quite a long time, but it's just been, it's been crazy, but uh, glad to have you on. And we have a guest for every first time guest. We have a question to ask our first, oh, I'm trying that again. Every, for <laughs> every first time guest, we have a question for him. Chris, take it away. Hey, Scott. How's it going? How's it going? Yeah. Hey. I've been a listening for a while. So this is, this is awesome, awesome. for me. Well, very cool. Thank you. It's uh, always, I yeah, appreciate uh, that. Always cool to talk to people who dig baseball. Uh, so yeah, then you probably know the drill. Kind of, kind of curious to hear about your earliest baseball memory. Yes. So uh, people ask me all the time my first like Tigers memory, and I can't answer it because <laughs> I, I like there's there's a legit. So I'm 22 years old. There's a legitimate argument that. I am not the Tigers fan I am today if if like the 2000 to 2004 era doesn't happen of just pure awfulness because my dad and I he he we he literally get lower se- like section 100 tickets for like $10 right but during the 03 season right so I, I don't remember my first Tiger game. I don't like all people ask me that all the time like I've just I've basically grown up there. My first baseball memory period is probably T-ball when I was I was playing. I guess it was it would have been shortstop or third. I was somewhere on the left side of the infield, and the kid at first base was literally picking weeds, and <laughs> somebody hit a ground ball to me, and I was like, "All right, well, I I know to throw the ball to first. Whether he knows what he's supposed to do is his problem." So I threw it over there. <laughs> <laughs> While he's picking leads, hit him in the chest. Kid quit that day. Never played baseball again. <laughs> so I, I, my, it's I take pride in helping him decide whether he liked the sport or not. <laughs> Usually, it's like a football type injury or something like that would drive somebody away. Like for example, my older brother broke his arm playing football, and my mom's like, "Nope, you're done." Right. And yep. I didn't play football. My younger brother did because she thought my younger brother would be better, but. Nevertheless, that's <laughs> that's quite a memory to start yeah. with. But uh, yes. no, it's funny. I, I uh, my older son, my, my stepson, turns eighteen in uh, three days, and uh, yeah, I tried to get him into baseball 
about 10 years ago or whatever, nine years ago. And, and he, to do that, we kind of brought his buddy along. Neither of them were terribly interested in playing baseball, sure. but they did it. And then there, right before the first game, his buddy, they were doing the catch, you know, just playing catch before the game. And he turned away and took a ball right to yeah. the eye. That'll do just, it. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he kept playing, but he was scared of the ball for the rest of the year. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The uh, getting hit by a pitch or bad hops or everything those will those will scar you. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, there's a real quick story before we get into the podcast. When I was playing, the only time I played infield, I was always a catcher or an outfielder. I was a catcher too. Yep. So the one day I usually, for whatever reason, I when I I didn't wasn't catching that day. My my manager said you're gonna play the outfield, so I said okay, that's fine. And our shortstop went on summer vacation or something and they had this, and this is when I was way thinner and they're like, well, you know, you have a good arm. You should play shortstop. And I've always kind of like, no, I wasn't really, I wasn't coordinated enough. I could catch, I could, you know, I right. could coordinate the infield and let people know what's going on. I just hated playing the infield. And so he was like, you're going to play. And I didn't wear a cup that day. So I keep that in mind for this next part of the story. Um, sure. Yeah, so where I grew up in, the fields were just like cat litter. It's not that it's not that really yeah. good dirt. It's that cat litter crap where the yeah. ball just takes weird hops. Go to field it, turn it because the guys come over the second. Go to Kleenex just goes right where you know the the family jewels. <laughs> and I'm literally as the guys because the guy kind of stops and was like, well, and I'm like took advantage of it. I threw it the second and then I went over and like I was crying in pain. Got the guy at second. We almost turned a double play, and then I was out the rest of the game. I was like, no. And like the coach, I had the ice and everything. And the coach was just like, dude, why did you not wear a cup? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I was, I was 12 years old. I thought I knew better than my coach did and lesson learned. So, yeah. I never wore yeah. a cup either. Uh, I just, they were uncomfortable and I'm like, what are the odds? You know? And then one day, sure enough, I'm running between second and third. I'm on base and I take like, you know, it's a wicked hop right into the old, uh, you know, meat. Puppet. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it was you know not only is it embarrassing and it hurts, but you're like, oh, I'm out now too, and the game, the inning's over. Great. Yep, so. it's good. All right. Well, uh, besides the old baseball injuries, so Scott, I wanted to get your thoughts as today the Tigers today had a interesting game in terms of there's kind of tale of two stories. So Michael Fulmer's struggle just seemed that he, I mean at one point he was getting 97, 98, but the command, but then early on it was like 90. Was it 90 set? Was it a hot gun or was that accurate? I. From Statcast, he topped out at ninety four point nine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so somebody said him at ninety five. Yeah. Okay, because somebody tweeted out early ninety seven. I thought that wasn't right, so that's what's kind of like. Those are. Right. I mean, the exit velocities were ninety seven, ninety eight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, I think the average EV was literally ninety eight point one. I think like for the outing yeah. or something like that. It was. It was rough. Yeah, and and Fulmer, you know, you look at the rotation, and in the opposite coin, then Tarek Skubal goes out there and pitches three innings of beautiful work and he just goes out there and just been dominating throwing strikes and one of the things that I've been working on is the, the starting rotation 2.0 version before the final cuts come out or the second or first we have a cut should which I believe should be happening this weekend yep. Scott what do you what does the rotation look like to you right now heading into tomorrow's first televised game so I think I really uh, today was just icing on the cake. And I honestly, I think that the delayed minor league season ha is going to have a 
lot more to do with it than we realize. Like, I don't think there's any way Scooble is not in the starting rotation on opening day at this point. I think that's pretty much set in stone. Boyd and Turnbull are the other two locks, I would say. Um, but then you get into that four five, and that's when it starts getting a little questionable. Obviously, you like you gave a minor league deal to Tehran. Like he's going to have to pitch a little bit more. Mize, obviously. Um, you know, Lord knows his command has been all over the place so far this spring. And then Urena, like that's an interesting one. Uh, I, so the four and five is, and then obviously Fulmer's in there. Um, if I had to make it right now, I'm probably going Boyd, Turnbull, Scooble, Mize, Urena. I guess that's probably where I would go. But the, that four and five, I really think you have kind of four pitchers all gunning for two spots there at the very end. And uh, I think that's going to be a big story as we get further and further into camp and more and more people get cut and those four guys get more and more opportunities. And, you know, both, I'll ask you both this question. I mean, that six man rotation possibility seems right. more and more likely. Um, but in terms of like that, it just seemed, I know Doris got blown up the other day, but it's almost like, do lesser two evil to go with Norris or go with Fulmer. Right. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, yeah and I, I haven't looked at the schedule terribly closely, but I assume that there are going to be a handful of off days there in the first uh, couple of weeks where they, they may be able to run with kind of a traditional five-man rotation for the most part. Uh, and we've talked before about, you know, running six-man rotation or doing basically what it amounts to a seven-man rotation with like piggyback starts every sixth day. Um just, you know, it's going to be kind of tough to manage all the innings, but also, yeah, I mean, some of the, some of the guys look like they probably can't go more than three innings. Like he, even Casey Mize, he hasn't given up a run yet, but it's, he's taken 50 pitches to get through two that innings. Pitch, yeah. That, that pitch counts wild. Um, but yeah. And we were talking before, like, like in, like you said, Scott, I, I think if the rotation we're decided today, I think he'd still be in it because uh, you know, like I said, he hasn't given up a run, but it's just uh yeah, we've seen the other guys get kind of bombed. Uh, I mean, Reina has only pitched once, I think. Tehran, I think, pitched fairly well, but we didn't really mm-hmm. see it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with those guys. But I do think, yeah, I, I think Scooble, you know, barring an unforeseen injury or whatever, you gotta you got to put him in the rotation, man. He looks – he just looked downright nasty today. Like, it, he wasn't even – he seems like two small steps away, basically, from being like an absolutely dominant starting pitcher where – you know, his pitches are still, his command is still not quite, you know, perfect. And the pitches are a little bit inconsistent. He'll throw that new changeup looks really good occasionally. And other times it's, it doesn't quite have the drop. Uh, same with the curveball and the slider. But yeah, I mean, he's got four pitches now. A couple of secondaries look really nasty. And the fastball is still good enough that he can basically throw it by guys even when they know it's coming. So uh, yeah, <laughs> he looks pretty damn good. Yeah, the six man's interesting too because of Turnbull. Like Turnbull's been a guy for you know that's that's the most intriguing one for me when you talk about the six man because he has such a history of kind of uh, flaming out in the second half. I think a, a six man rotation. Obviously, you have two young guys that have. Scoobles already had Tommy John and, and everybody talks about Mize's mechanics. You know the Pedro thing, obviously. So like I, I think the six man as much as it is just to, to get more people opportunities for a rebuilding team as well. I think for three guys, blatant, like very obviously could actually help them in the long run as well. Yeah. And the, the thing is too, you look at the rotation in terms of like eating deer, you have Matt Boyd and this next, the next picture I want to bring up is Matt Boyd because I think Matt Boyd has looked good in camp. I thought that 
He has, I mean, granted the home, was it the, you lot of home running in, I guess Phil the other day, I think it was. Yeah. Jeff Mathis. It was against Jeff Mathis. Mathis. Yeah. yeah. That slider, but the slider looks like it has bite. There was a, there was, mm-hmm. I think it was pitching hand or pitching, you know, a pitcher's list talked about the mechanics difference. And it looks like he's getting it back a little bit, but that's the only guy in the rotation that has at least over 180 innings worth of experience in one season. And so that that's where do you get, I mean, is Tehran going to be back to what he was with Atlanta? That's, and that's another thing is Tehran. It's almost like taking a guess that anybody over 150 innings out of any of these pitchers that is not named Matt Boyd. I don't know. That's where I think that even with the, the new rules with the, the seven inning double headers and everything, it just seems like it's going to be, one over under 170 any of the tiger pitchers hit 170 or above oh man that's <laughs> tough man like like in in theory turnbull could if he pitches well enough like he doesn't have he hasn't had like injury concerns but you know when you're walking five dudes in four innings like you know you're you're not going to go past the six so when it i mean yeah that's that's a tough one that's a tough number yeah, I I would be inclined to think maybe Boyd does it. Uh, but still, I mean, yeah, I don't think even if Scooble and Mize were allowed or, or, or could go that far, I don't think they would. Yeah. What, what am I saying? I'm saying even if they were pitching that well, I don't think they would let right. them throw that many innings. Uh, I think you could see Tehran or Reina do that if they just like, come on, keep going, boys. Keep it coming. That's what we hired you for. But uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be, I get the feeling, I think we were doing that other show the other day, Rogelio, where I, I was saying, like, I feel like the Tigers are going to look solid for the first couple months of the season. And then I think things are going to get real squirrely about, like, late July, where we're trying to figure out, like, who the hell's going to pitch. <laughs> like, they might start doing some, like, serious, uh, you know, NBA-style load management where, like, you know, today we're going to start... Uh, you know, Wilson Ramos on the mound. <laughs> Let's give it a try. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's almost like you look at even a guy like Joey Wentz, for example, who's not going to be real available till late April, possibly right. early May come back from Tommy John. But then like, and then the other, the other pitch I wanted to talk to you guys too about was Franklin Perez, who was 89. And that, I really did like that. Chris face it. We're recording this on video. So no one's going to understand it via audio, but if you could just see the face that both Scott and Chris made, it was that face where you have like, after you eat something bad, you're like, and the cringy worthy face, but look, it could just be me, but I'm not worried about Perez yet. If he's doing that in August, forget about it. Then you, you know, but everybody was just sort of like automatically jumping the gun about Perez I'm not worried about it. I don't, I don't know. You, Scott, do you have any concerns about that? I mean, it, it, it. you do have to take consideration how early we are in spring. Like, obviously, that's I, I think it's just more magnified with him because of the injury history. People are immediately just going to start screaming like the sky is falling. But you're definitely right. I, I was more uh, honestly I, like obviously the lot like that is 88 and your top not 89 is tough but like his movement I didn't think was bad his, his command was holy cow all over the place but um, like the changeup, I thought his changeup lo- actually looked incredible today and I was very impressed now it, you know when your changeups like what like five miles an hour slower than your fastball <laughs> like that's kind of a problem but uh, at, you know so the velocity if we see each outing, he's getting like a mile an hour more and more, and he keeps working enough. Then obviously, that's a good sign. But 
Um, I, I took away from it. The positive I took away from it was his movement was not bad. And I think that kind of overshadowed my concern about the velocity. What about you, Chris? Yeah, no, it's got nailed. I, I actually wrote a piece that'll probably go up tomorrow about uh, it's the basic idea of, of five Tigers current prospects who could theoretically become top 100 guys at this time next year. Uh, and Franklin Perez was once you know, once upon a time, so I threw him in there. But yeah, I wrote the exact same thing. I said, you know, that I'm definitely concerned about the velocity, but I'm not like putting it in concrete that this is who he is now. I mean. Everything just looked kind of funky. His 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 delivery looked a little odd. He looked a little uncomfortable out there. But yeah, I, I wrote the exact same thing. The changeup, the the fade on the changeup looked good. The uh, the movement on the curveball looked good. You know, from that over the over the top arm slot, it's just uh, yeah, everything was a little bit uh, loose. But and the way the batters were swinging, it was almost like they they, they swing against a, a position player pitching, where they're like, I hey, what? This is a little slower than I was expecting. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, no, like you don't want to put too much to it. And, and like Sarah said, you know, if he if he gets up to even if he's sitting like ninety two or ninety to ninety three or something like that, that's workable. I mean, it's just you just don't want to be in the eighty six to eighty nine range unless you're Kyle Hendricks and and, and did not look like Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. Not man. quite. <laughs> no. <laughs> and the other and then the other picture too that's coming in camp that could be possibly part of that almost six man even consideration is Matt Manning, who I thought. That that curveball he threw was a beauty. I mean, he even Gene Segura fought him off. It was a ten pitch at bat. It was a really good at bat by Segura, and he just couldn't get a handle of his fastball. When he dropped that curveball, it was just like it was like knee buckling goodness. And then he strikes out Harper, who, by the way, earlier in the, in the week was like, I don't believe in that analytics stuff, and it just you want to just. You know, yeah, he's he says I'm on the lines of I don't I don't go into the analytics and stuff, but uh. At any rate, Harper looked foolish, but Matt Manning, one outing, of course, you know, like I said, you want to pump the brakes a little bit. It's spring training. Everybody's still getting their, you know, act together, but he looked good. He looked really good. Scott. Yeah, he, he looked phenomenal. I, I think the the only, uh, well, first off, I think just with service time manipulation, I don't see him making like opening day, right? I just, that's just a game that everybody plays and I don't see him being the one to break that mold. Um, so I, we see him this year, but as far as like April starts, I don't think we probably see that. That being said, he, he did look unreal. And the only his mechanics are, are beautiful. Like that is the, the I think maybe one of you two tweeted actually it actually like that's one of the most effortless like 97s I've ever seen. Like that was his mechanics were, were beautiful. And the, the only concern I have is the third pitch. Right. Like, obviously, the, the fastball is great. The curveballs in outside of the my splitter, probably the most advertised pitch in this organization the last couple of years. Like, it, it looked great. But whatever that third, like, change up slash slider mumbo jumbo casserole thing that he was throwing <laughs> was not that good. And uh, it didn't move very much horizontally. I don't know. Like he, he definitely needs a third pitch, whether it's a changeup or a slider. Honestly, I could care less if, as long as it's a plus pitch, but he's got to get a third pitch at some point. Yeah. And Chris, you've, you've been talking about that too, that the changeup has looked one of the things we saw yeah. when we saw him last pitch. It was just, it was still wasn't there. Yeah. And he didn't even try one yesterday. He didn't right. throw a single changeup. He threw, I think three of the new sliders 
Um, yeah, it was interesting because because we were talking in that first at bat with Segura. I was like, this is what concerns me about Matt Manning because he kept throwing that fastball. And Segura is a great hitter. He hit like 330 once or twice. You know, he, he's a good big league hitter. And Manning, it's it's the fastball jumps on guys, but it doesn't seem to miss a ton of at bats or a ton of bats. Like, you know, it, it's not like a, a Verlander or even a Scooble fastball where it's just got that hop. Uh, it's got the extension that's going to you know, make it seem faster. But, uh, but yeah, it's just kept fouling him off. The, the thing about Manning that was super impressive is he's like, all right, well, I'm just going to keep throwing strikes. And then watch this. I'm going to throw a perfect strike with this curveball. I mean, his curveball, the command with a curveball is super impressive. For, for I mean, anybody to command a pitch like that is, is impressive. And yeah, and then he comes back with just uh, three straight fastballs. He was mostly, I think, 93, 94, and then just ramps up for one pitch to 97 because it's Bryce Harper. And blows him away. I mean, that was uh, sexy as hell. But yeah, in the second inning, you saw he got he got hit around a little bit. And uh, I think Finch said they don't plan on having him throw any more than two innings in any outing this spring, partially because of the arm soreness last uh, last fall. So I think yeah, many thoughts of him kind of coming up and starting early in the season. We probably have to hold off on that. I think probably till mid season or so. Yeah, I, mean, I don't see him start maybe even June. A possibility right now, yeah. even if, as, yeah. as much as the rotation, and you could talk about Ernesto Ramirez, you could talk about some other the other pitchers in camp that they're throwing out there that could possibly get a, a chance before Manning, which is fine by me because if you have an arm like Manning, you want to preserve it and make sure it's it's good to go. But let's get back, let's go in the offensive side of things. And one of the things that we were looking at right before Scott joined us this evening, we were looking at Derek Hill's swing, and it looks and Chris noticed something that was different. And then we picked it up pretty quickly. Chris, uh, I'm actually, I'm going to go ahead and share the, my screen again. Again, if you're not, I, I'm going to go, we're going to put the links on, on the podcast. So that way you guys can get and understand that. But this also will be on our YouTube page. We'll, we'll share that this evening. So one of the things that we're looking at is Derek Hill's swing and something that stood out to you, Chris, and I got it up here right now. So I apologize for, for being so small, but I'll let's see here. I'll uh, pull it up a little bit. All right, there we go. So, so Chris, uh, this is his swing today, and he mm-hmm. was all over the field. Looks like a, one of the things that we noticed right away was is that his bat was a lot more quieter. Yeah, you know, he uh, he, he seems to, you know, we, we looked up a, a video from last spring training where he had a home run against the Pirates. Uh, yeah, it was just kind of a more traditional crouch with his bat over his shoulder, and and you see today, I think I ended up putting up two clips of him, one where he had a triple and one where he got the RBI single. And uh, yeah, he's just kind of just more upright in the, in the box. The hands are closer to his waist, uh, not necessarily to his waist, but, you know, more out front and the bats in front of his shoulders now. And it, it just seems like he's going to be quicker and shorter to the ball now. And he's got bat speed. And he's got, a, you know, he's not a power hitter, but he's got enough pop to to hit the gaps. And we saw he hit like a 400 foot triple today. So I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't, Notice it. Somebody else pointed out how uh, it's kind of reminiscent of the swing change Jacoby Jones made uh, two years ago, I think. And uh, yeah, and I, I tend to agree. So is that uh, this is last year? Yeah, yeah, you could see the difference in where his bat is. I mean, it's it's way over his shoulder there. Right. And, uh, and, yeah, and, uh, yeah, in that clip right there, you you'll see it's it's basically upright. And one of the uh, things Eric that- Davis style. <laughs> Yeah, there. And one of the things too about Derek Hill, and in, in terms of getting that twenty-six man position, and where positions are 
and we'll start at the outfield too. Victor Reyes, sorry, almost a forgot conclusion that he's going to go back. And then Harold Castro seems like he has a bad week. But in terms of getting those last two spots, Scott, so far what you've seen in spring training, are the days for Harold Castro numbered? I mean, he did hire a new agent, which is something that you have to keep that top of mind to a little bit because we have a new agent, maybe you want a new representation, more money, what have you. But Harold Castro has not looked good so far. Yeah, he, he hasn't looked good. And and so one of my the most fascinating Harold Castro stats ever to me, and I tell people this all the time, is that it wasn't like a full 162, but he he almost batted 300 and had a sub 700 OPS. Like that's that's incredible. Like that should be like in a museum. Like that's unreal. <laughs> and so like that that kind of a player, I think that's why you saw them go out and get like, hey, Zach Short's going to get a lot of PT like before you know the the injury, which was scary. Um, he's got and Greg Garcia, another kind of utility guy. And he draws a lot more walks. Like I think you're seeing them. AJ Hinch loves versatility as he said a lot of times. So I think that bodes well for Harold Castro, but at the same time, they've got a lot of other pieces that they have brought in that also are very versatile. And I, I personally, when I look at uh, on today, whatever day it is, March 11th, uh, I don't see a roster spot for Harold Castro anymore. How about you, Chris? Yeah, you know, I, I go back and forth because you know, we've tried to figure out the whole, uh, you know, the whole of the 26 man roster. Now, we've a lot of people, including me, have been impressed with Akil Badu so far, and we want to make room for him. And uh, but then, if you you know, if you're going to keep five outfielders, then that limits you to probably one sort of super utility infielder, uh, which you could probably get by with. But I, it seems like the sort of thing that, that Hinch wouldn't like to do. He'd probably want to have a second super utility guy. And I, I think that's, that's, except that that's the, the one thing that that's in Harold Castro's corner is he can play basically seven positions. Right. Uh, so can Nico Goodrum. So those two guys can really be basically your whole bench aside from an, an extra catcher. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think when you look at him, he's got options left, I believe. Uh, so he's a guy they could easily send uh, to Toledo or keep at the alternate site. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, how many utility guys do you really need? I, I know it, you don't want to get stuck in a game where you, you know, you've got nobody on the bench, but I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to lose the game because of that you're going to lose a lot of games this year. So right. I don't know. yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't know. He's going to have to, to, to impress some more, I think, later in spring training to, to get that job this year. So we're going to play a quick game of buying or selling. So I'm going to ask you guys three three Tiger headlines. You tell me you're buying or selling them because we know that we have the, you have to take away the, uh, you have to take off your daily news glasses, if you will. And you'll know what I mean by this, Scott and Chris, both when I say this next headline. Uh, so Ian Kroll are you buying or selling that he's going to be, is he's a spin master. <laughs> uh, I am currently selling. I'm not sure if it, it's no disrespect to him. It's nothing like that, but I am very much a, uh, a, a see it to believe it kind of a person. So uh, especially with someone that's not like a prospect or like, you know what I mean? Like, so for now I will sell, but it wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world given I think there's a couple of spots open in that bullpen for opening day. So it wouldn't shock me, but yeah. Chris, are you buying? I'm selling. Uh, no, I'm selling that too. And, and I think it's nice. It's a cool story. 
I think it would be awesome for Ian Cole if he, he figured some things out and, and could carve out a small like MLB career here. But it is a story. That's kind of the point. You know, you're down in spring training for 30 days. There's only so much you can write about Spencer Torkelson's cannon opener injury and uh, like stuff we've talked about already. I think when you're down there looking for different angles, you, you find a player and an interesting story and you write about it. And and I don't you know, hold that against Chris McCoskey or Orion Cole, but I just, I don't picture him making the roster. You never know though. Like if he goes out there and it just lights out for the rest of the spring and they want another lefty in the bullpen, he's up. It's him or Derek Holland to go along with Gregory Soto and Daniel Norris and Tyler Alexander. I, I mean, you know, there's some options. I mean, definitely. I mean, we're, we're right. We can't talk because we wrote about the can injury ourselves and I get it. No, I get it. It's just twice. twice. Yeah, yeah. Twice. So you took the bullet for me. Thank you on both times, but it's, I, again, I understand there's only so many storylines you can write about some early spring training. So I get it. It was just one of those things where I saw it today and God bless Chris Bukowski for doing that. The second headline we're going to discuss buying or selling. Are you buying or selling that Christian Stewart stays in Detroit or numbered? Oh, but I'm putting my mortgage on it. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's over, bro. Like it, it's over. Uh, I, I think, and look, man, like I, I really, it may not seem like it to some people that only know me through Twitter. I really don't like bashing people. Like I, I don't, but and he's my phone background. I love the guy like on a personal level. I, I love him, but like, th- dude, it is, it was already tough. And this spring has done the opposite of helping his cause, whatever the exact opposite of that is. That's what's happening. Yeah. I'm putting all my entire bank account and mortgaging my house and putting it on it on that. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you too. We don't, we don't bash players because it's not professional and it's all right. You know, and it's just one of those things where they're humans. Exactly. You know, so I, I totally get where you're coming from. Chris, what, what about you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to buy or sell that, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't picture him. I don't picture him getting like DFA'd, but he's not going to be on the tigers. Like definitely not out of spring training and maybe not at all this year. So maybe they will DFA him if somebody else comes along and, no, and, and that's the thing. Like, Kristen Stewart blocked me on Twitter. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think I said he's not a great defender. He's a bad defender or something like that. And I, I, I try not to go hard at people or anything right. like that. I think he was just like, all right, well, I don't need you. And that's his prerogative or whatever. And I feel bad. I'm like, oh, dude, I don't hate you. I just didn't think you're a great major league defender. And your stats back me up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tough. You, I feel, always feel bad for these guys who. You know, he came with some pedigree. He was a, a he first round or a supplemental first rounder and uh, had power, bashed his way through the minors, walked, looked like a, a chance to contribute. And it just hasn't worked out in the majors. And it just kind of, it's kind of painful to watch sometimes. Yeah. And I, he's, he's done uh, he last year. I know he was, I know he's looking at his swing a little bit, swing mechanics a little different, but so far it hasn't yielded results. And then the last question for you, buying or selling Willie Castro, 20 or more home runs. That this is <laughs> okay. So so Willie Castro is easily my my hottest topic of discussion. Everybody at any time he breathes, I get like fifty ads on on Twitter. My <laughs> DMs are full because because I I keep reiterating the point that. He is, he will never be good enough defensively to be the long-term option at shortstop. That's my belief. And I've, I've carried that with me his, his entire professional career, which is only 60 games. So like, and so now anytime he does literally anything good, I get my, my phone blows up. Um, (laughs) I, I would say 
it, it's so tough, man. Like the the other weird thing about him is that first off, his BABIP last year was like 450. So like mm-hmm. that's off the bat. And his baseball savant page is a whole lot of blue. Like the advanced numbers would tell you there was a lot of luck involved. There wasn't a ton of power, but he's looked so good in spring. His swing, he looks great uh, for 20. I'll, I'll take the under. What is that? I'm selling. I'll, I'll take, I'll take it's the slight under. under. I think he, I think he's in the 15 to 20 range, but I think he's more of a 16 to 18 than I'd like 20 to 25. All right, Chris, what about you? What are you, are you yeah, I'm selling on that. No, I'm selling on that one too. I, I think we've, Willie Castro is exciting. And it's fun to see him go out there and, and bomb the ball. You know, he's hit like an oppo home run already. And it's just like, yeah, this dude has a lot more power than we we thought. And for sure, it, it's usable. Uh, but yeah, I, I just feel like we really haven't seen the league, you know, concerned about him, try to adjust to what he's doing. And, and we know that he doesn't have a great approach. I mean, he, he's done a good job of, of picking balls to drive, but his I walk rate's like, horrible. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like there's going to be a point where, and because of that super high bat, but there's going to be, he might get hot and hit like 10 home runs through the first two months, but there's going to be a stretch for a month or six weeks or two months where he's just scuffling like crazy because unless he changes his approach, uh, you know, the pitchers are going to figure out a way to get him out. And, and I think at the, at the, the cumulative result will be fewer than 20 home runs. I, I agree. Probably something more like 15 to 17. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell with that too, because I just simply for the fact that you guys talk about his numbers a little bit too, but I, I also think that a true measurement of a player that does well in the major leagues is how he adjusts that second year. If he can make the adjustments and he's still, I mean, he hits in the three hundreds and he gets that in terms of just even like a, a good OPS going and gets that walk rate up, then great. That's that to me, those numbers are more important than home runs. I mean, there has been a Tiger home run hitter that's hit 20 since 2016, 2017. It's been a, it's been a while. It's been which a is, it's, it's strange to even utter that sentence, but it's true. But I, I, what's a, oh, it's been a while. Uh, yeah. it, it's, 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 just, it's really, to me, I don't know. I think people are, yeah, there's, there's a lot of spring training hype, and there's just, you just got to. Calm down. It's in, and then honestly, I, I got to ask you this before you get out of here, Scott. How hard is that when you're doing these videos and you're doing these, you got, you got, you got the shades down and then, <laughs> I mean, and you're, you're, you're already doing God's work. Talk about the Red Wings. I mean, I watched the, the only game I watched was the seven, nothing or seven, two blast, oh, you know, the Panthers. That was the only game I watched. I'm like, <laughs> I used to watch, I used to watch a lot of hockey and mm-hmm. I grew up watching Wilson hockey night in Canada. I was a big Maple Leafs fan for a while. Both Williams and Maple Leafs. I was a big Felix Pot van van. I can go on and on. Wendell Clark. Sure. Oh, yeah. Fix the cat. But (laughs) it's one of those things where how do you yourself, you cover, you also cover a lot of the major league stuff for Diamond Digest. Mm -hmm. Where do you, how do you stop yourself from with some fan? You you see the interactions with fans. Facebook's a different animal altogether. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what I'm talking about? You go on Facebook and it's like, they're reading this stuff like the, the, the tiger shouldn't make any moves. What? Right. The, the future's here. No, no, no. As you're you're younger than us, so how do you have the patience for it? Because I, I mean, at your age, I would have been like, I, I know, I know myself enough. Knowing like your age, I would have been like, just you know, doing the Steve Austin, you know, middle finger thing to everybody. Uh, yeah, I I don't. 
for starters, I, I don't have the patience. Um, it's it's very difficult. The 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 doll to Detroit thing was very eye opening for me. Not obviously, I was just annoying for a lot for a, like two days, and that like you know people then knew who I was after. But um, the 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 thing that was wild to me is how many people were attacking me for wanting David Dahl. You know what I like? Yeah. Like that was mind boggling to me. And and it's not that, not that I think, you know, I, I've made my, my points about why very public right. back then. Like it's not, I don't think he's some all-star, but like it was mind boggling. The amount of people that were, that were D like I have open DMs. So that was my, my first like introduction to, to that decision. Um, and, and just adding me and stuff. And, and so many people are like, you, why are you making such a big fuss over him? Like he'll never stay healthy. Coors, blah, blah, blah. And I think the, the biggest thing for me is, I, and I, again, I'm not good at it. Like I, I don't have patience. Like it, it's really something I still struggle with a lot. Um, but the, especially the people that at the same time are like, like advanced numbers don't matter. Then I just stop talking to you. It's over. <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry. Like that, that's the right. end of the conversation. I, it's like, okay, like you, you will clearly, we will clearly never see eye to eye. Not even like an, I'm right. And you're wrong thing. It's just like, this is over. This is pointless. You. And, and the one thing that I, that I love telling people that really makes people way too mad is just because you don't understand how the stat works. Doesn't mean it's false. Mm-hmm. Right. Just because you don't know the calculation or don't know the formula <laughs> doesn't mean that that it's just nullified and it's just like is is not a stat that is accurate. So that's I, I tell people that all the time. And that's my biggest takeaway is just when when you know, I, I got into an argument with one dude who said that Victor Reyes was a borderline all star because he had a good batting average. <laughs> Right. And, and he, and he sent me and he posted on Twitter. It's probably still up. There's screenshots that he took of his batting average. And that was his argument. I'm like, okay, this is done. You know what I mean? It's, it's over. So at, until it gets to that point, I'm still very bad at it admittedly, but I, I have gotten a lot better of when it's very clear that there's a massive disparity and what numbers we follow and what our basis are for judging a player. I just drop it. And that's, yeah, that's about it. I mean, you're, I'm sure you deal with a lot of this. Dead, dead. That's just the ball that you get me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, like, it's just one of those things where I thought you, the way you handled the whole hashtag was really good. And then, you know, the, the boatload of people are just like, I remember on the podcast, did you give him his credit? Yes. I mentioned it right away. I, I yeah, know, oh, yeah. Like, Thank you. You know, it's like, come on, yes. folks. Come on. You know, but it was, it's one of those things where even with like hockey, I, 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 I think even the Red Wing audience is a lot different than the tiger audience. They're a lot more patient than with Detroit, but just, you seem like it's just like when the the batting average argument, for example, right. The Harold Castro thing comes to mind because Chris and I were both had a vote for the rookie of the year for the Detroit uh, media association. And Chris and I both voted for Harold Castro. It was, or, no, excuse me. No. Um, no, no, no. Sorry. No, no. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Spencer Turnbull. Sorry. Spencer Turnbull. I was like, wow, that's Tur- no. a pick. <laughs> no, no. We, we voted for Spencer Turnbull. <laughs> and because um, one of the in one of the votes, I forgot who, and I'm not going to say who it was, said, well, look at his win-loss record. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. He was on a terrible team. The team lost it's 114 like, games. Yeah. yeah. It's like when it, like it's like Scott Erickson who won the Cy Young. He won 20 games. It was the most right. empty 20 game 
winner. It was it 91 he won the Cy Young? I'm trying to think it was 91. Yeah, right. yeah. It, uh, yeah somewhere early 90s. But even the even yeah. the Porcello Verlander won just a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. I mean, Verlander owned him in every step, but Ricky, and that's like that one's scary because it's like recent. Like that was not that long ago. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that's it wasn't that the the two writers from Tampa yeah. didn't even have Verlander, they didn't have yeah. him in the top three or like the top five Correct. or something crazy like that. It was like, what are you doing? But yeah, I mean, I think and the, what I've liked about social media is expose some of the writers is like, oh, you weren't really watching the game, were you? Or you just really, you voted for somebody that, oh, that guy sounded familiar, Mark Purcell, he picked for the Red Sox, click, yeah. you know, and or check yeah. and whatever. And I don't know, it's one of those things where, again, the way you're handling it, I, I thought the way you handled the whole thing was pretty good. It's all things considering because <laughs> the, the Tigers even acknowledge you were like, yeah, you know what? All right, fist bump. We're going to, we're going to follow you on Twitter. And right. Yeah, the uh, that that was that was interesting. I I then was told by uh, people within the Tigers kind of social media department that it was like one of the most annoying things ever and that I gave a lot of headaches to a lot of people. Um, So which I apologized immediately once I found that information out. But in my mind, I was like, okay, like, yes, I understand your mentions were were obliterated for 48 hours, but I. I and this is not even me like tooting my own horn. This is just like this team ha- has lost 97 games five years in a row. And you were in the national spotlight for a couple of hours. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, like as annoying as it absolutely was, and I'm not trying to say it wasn't because I probably was very, very annoying. Um, you know, you, you got in the national spotlight for a couple of minutes in an off season where your biggest signing was Robbie Grossman. Like, I feel like maybe that's <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's not a bad thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I honestly didn't think it was that bad. It was, it was like for three days and then it was poof, it was done. And that's, right. I've, I've seen, I mean, there's hashtags every day and I'm just like shaking my head about it. And that wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. And again, even doll came out of his way to acknowledge it. And that was pretty, I thought that was yeah. pretty me. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so he, uh, he reached uh, through Instagram. He, he, uh, he reached out to me and, and he said, uh, he, he appreciated the love a lot. Um, he did, you know, they never offered him anything, which is not surprising to me at all. Um, and yeah, he was like, my, my family was overwhelmed. Like, it's not something that given the current state of my career, I ever thought was like, got you know what I mean? Like the Bauer to Anaheim thing was big at that point too. So like, he was like, I didn't really like think about that. It was awesome. And I was like, yeah, man, like, I, you know, I'm going to be really annoying about posting your highlights all year. Like, just, you know, just know that. <laughs> um, and you no, know, but he, he said when, if fans are allowed, when Texas comes to Comerica, I think in July that he gave me batting practice passes and like come down and meet oh, wow. him and stuff. So That's like, awesome. that was a super cool, cool moment. And he, yeah, he's, he's a really cool guy from the obviously small interaction I had with him and, and the, the whatever ripple effect of that was super cool. Yeah. And that's always a good story to see because I mean, Bowers night and day with comparatively right. speaking. So, but no, that's, that's, that's a great ending to the story. I mean, it's kind of, and to have that kind of interaction with them. And, and again, it's bringing light to something that with everything that's happened this off season with, with Chris Illich too, it's just a, you know, he's cheap. That was the whole point. That yeah. was literally it. it. It was never really even about Dahl specifically. Like, you know what I, like it was because right. like, but it, it was about, it was just about the fact that, that 
okay, like I'm going to highlight the fact that you refuse to spend any money. If you refuse to spend money, this is the kind of player that you're going after. And that's not a, an insult. It's a praise to Dahl because I, I think there's a chance that he could return to form given a good situation. But like that, you know, if you're going to play the cheap game, there it is. That Let's put a big spotlight on the cheap game so everybody is aware that this organization that has the third richest owner in the sport refuses to spend any money. Yeah, and it's even in the worse, but worse in the light than putting the Indians, which the Indians are notoriously cheap, anyways. But the, right, you take away the Miggy contract, I think we're second or third lowest in baseball. Yeah, and even with all the salary shedding that Pittsburgh did, Pittsburgh doesn't get. I mean, it's almost expected, right? Almost with the Pirates, right? It's like, yeah, you expect that to happen. So exactly. So Scott, uh, what do you want to plug? I mean, I know you have a, you're doing a locked on a locked on Red Wings episode this evening. What else do you have going on over at Diamond Digest? Yeah, so so at Diamond Digest, we currently have uh, we're doing our um, every there's a writer for every team. Obviously, we have a lot of writers over there, and so we're doing our season previews. That's been going out. We've been doing one a day for for most of spring training, uh, and I obviously am doing the Tigers one. So within the next week, that one it's a full it's a it's a dictionary. It is long. It's definitely not not a quick read. But uh, I've been working on it for weeks and it's I do it before every season for them. So that'll be super cool and coming out in a couple of weeks. We've also did like over under stuff, which is like a quick two minute video of giving the Tigers Vegas over under about, you know, how many wins to expect. I I'll just spoil it for everybody. I took the under. Um, so a lot of fun stuff coming out with that. And then, yeah, besides that, just my own show, the Bentley show. And that's pretty much it. That's me in, in a in a short picture. That's my personality right there. Those three things. So. Yeah, doing that locked on crossover with the Pistons. I'm a big, big fan. We've had Matt on the show before. He's such we, a great guy. Such oh a nice my dude. gosh, he's so a, cool. Humble dude, just a, a salt of the earth kind of yep. guy. And it was really cool so talking cool. to him. Talk, we talked about West Michigan, right, Chris? It was a, the, we talked about yeah, he's, he had done some covering of the minor leagues for, I don't know if he was with the free for the news, uh, like as a, as a kind of freelancer. Yeah, and he had me on uh, when I was in my brief run as the locked on Tigers host. Uh, he had me do it like a crossover very early and it was like, yeah, that's, that's cool of him to reach out and, and try to make me more comfortable doing that. So he's a great guy. Great guy. Absolutely. And uh, you, you want to check out the episode. It's a state of rebuild episode, which is on the lockdown Red Wings podcast feed. And so that's yep. got the Bentley show. I like the love the logo. It's simple. Oh, it's, it's great. I, I love that logo. It's really cool. And I like how, the two color thing. My, my wife's a graphic designer, so she's oh, sure. about keeping it simple and a really big fan of your logo. And again, thanks, Scott, for taking the time to come with us or jump on with us this evening. And we look forward to talking again soon. Oh, yeah. Anytime. For real. I listen like anytime, any time. Any one of these drops. I'm one of your first listeners. So I am I am awesome. more than happy to come on anytime. This is a lot of fun. You know what? I got to give you this drop then. Give him his due. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Scott, we'll, we'll talk in the middle of the season. That's definitely for sure. We'll do a live stream or something like that. If, if you want to jump on for the MLB draft show we do every year, man, you're all welcome. Yeah. Oh, draft's my thing, man. Always, always. I'm down. Definitely.